Hey y'all, Eves here. Today's episode contains not just one, but two nuggets of history. Consider it a double feature. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that uncovers a little bit more about history every day. The day was January 21st, 1919. The Doyle Aran, or Assembly of Ireland, met at the Mansion House in Dublin as the Parliament of the Revolutionary Irish Republic. At the meeting, the first Doyle declared independence from Britain. This is how their message to the free nations of the world began. The nation of Ireland, having proclaimed her national independence, calls through her elected representatives in Parliament assembled in the Irish capital on January 21st, 1919, upon every free nation to support the Irish Republic by recognizing Ireland's national status and her right to its vindication at the Peace Congress. They read the entirety of this message, along with the Declaration of Independence and a democratic program, at the first meeting of the Doyle. That same day, Irish volunteers Sean Tracy, Seamus Robinson, Sean Hogan, and Dan Breen led an ambush in Solohead Beg in County Tipperary. The band of volunteers shot and killed two Royal Irish Constabulary officers, Patrick O'Connell and James McDonnell. The officers had been escorting a cart full of explosives, which the volunteers took along with the officers' weapons. The volunteers had acted on their own accord. The volunteer chief of staff, Richard Mulcahy, even condemned the act. But Dan Breen later claimed that killing the police and taking their weapons was necessary to start a war. Though there had been plenty of conflict leading up to this point, this day is widely considered the start of the Irish War of Independence. So how did the conflict escalate to this point? Great Britain united with Ireland in 1801 under the Act of Union. That meant that Ireland no longer had a parliament in Dublin. Throughout the 1800s, the demand for home rule grew, though it did have its opponents. Protestants in the North were especially against home rule. But in 1912, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom introduced the Third Home Rule Bill, which would allow autonomy for Ireland within the British Empire. It became the Home Rule Act of 1914, but it was suspended because of the First World War. Some Irish nationalists were optimistic about home rule, but by the late 19th century, many nationalists were eager for self-government. To many, home rule just wasn't enough. Ireland needed total independence. So the Irish Republican Brotherhood, an organization dedicated to establishing an independent democratic republic in Ireland, began planning the Easter Rising. On April 24, 1916, thousands of rebels, including members of the Irish Volunteers, and the Irish Citizen Army strategically seized key places in Dublin. Patrick Pierce, a leader of the uprising, read the Easter proclamation outside the post office, saying that Ireland was an independent republic and that it had a provisional government. Over the next six days, hundreds of people died, more than 2,000 others were injured, and a lot of the city was destroyed. The British government sent in forces to quell the uprising. The Easter Rising was not effective, at least not at first. Initially, the consensus among Irish people was that the Easter Rising had just been too bloody and devastating. But folks resented the British response even more. 
They had arrested thousands of people, sent thousands more to prison without a trial, and executed leaders of the insurrection. Disgusted by British troops' actions after the uprising and the establishment of a military draft in Ireland in 1918, more people became completely resistant to any sort of British rule in Ireland. In the British general election in December 1918, Sinn Féin, an Irish nationalist political party, gained ground when it won 73 out of the 105 parliamentary seats. To add insult to injury, the Sinn Féin members all refused to sit in the UK Parliament in Westminster and instead met in its own parliament in Dublin, the Doyle Aaron, which you've already been introduced to. In early 1919, the Irish Republican Army formed, drawing members from the Irish Volunteers and Irish Citizens Army, and became the Army of the New Republic. World War I had ended, but the IRA was launching a guerrilla war against Britain. Deadly battles between the IRA, Royal Irish Constabulary, and Black and Tans ensued as the IRA attempted to drive the British out of Ireland, and the British attempted to stop the rebellion. Bloody Sunday was a grossly brutal day of violence. When the IRA killed British intelligence officers in the RIC and Black and Tans retaliated by firing into a crowd at a football match. The UK Parliament passed the Government of Ireland Act in 1920, intending to create two home rule jurisdictions in Ireland, one in Northern Ireland and one in Southern Ireland. A parliament was established in Northern Ireland, but Sinn Féin continued to protest and the IRA perpetrated more violence. So on July 11, 1921, the IRA and British signed a truce. And in December, the Anglo-Irish Treaty established the Irish Free State, which would still be within the British Commonwealth. Ulster, or six of Ireland's northern counties, opted out and stayed with the United Kingdom. It would take until 1949 for Ireland to be officially declared a republic. I'm Eve Jeffcoat. And hopefully, you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can subscribe to This Day in History class on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to producer Chandler Mays for all his audio work. We'll see you tomorrow. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm Eves, and you're listening to This Day in History class a show that uncovers a little bit more about history every day. The day was January 21st, 1840. Sophia Jex Blake was born in Sussex, England. Jex Blake is remembered for advocating for women in Britain to study medicine and for being the first female doctor to practice in Scotland. Sophia was born into a wealthy family. Her father was Thomas Jex Blake, a retired barrister, and Mary Jex Blake was her mother. Both of her parents were evangelical Anglicans and strict when it came to religion. As a child, she bounced from one private boarding school to the next. Per their traditional views, her parents did not want her to attend college. But Sophia had gained an interest in teaching. Despite her parents' feelings about college, Sophia enrolled at Queen's College in 1858. The next year, while she was still a student, she took a job as a mathematics tutor at the school, though her parents made her agree not to take a salary for it. 
There, she also learned bookkeeping and lived with Octavia Hill, who would become a social reformer. While in London, Sophia made friends with feminists like Elizabeth Garrett, Emily Davies, and Emily Faithful. Sophia finished her term at Queen's College in 1861. The next year, she traveled to Germany and began teaching at Grand Ducal Institute for Women in Mannheim. Throughout the early 1860s, she spent time in the United States. She worked as an assistant at the New England Hospital for Women and Children in Boston, and she applied to study medicine at the University of Harvard in 1867, but they denied her admission because she was a woman. She wrote a book called A Visit to Some American Schools and Colleges. When her father died, she returned to England, but her time in the U.S. greatly influenced her views on women in education. She turned her attention to becoming a doctor rather than a teacher. In 1869, Jex Blake published the pamphlet Medicine as a Profession for Women, in which she argued the case for women becoming doctors. When she applied to Edinburgh University to study medicine, the school approved her application, but the university court rejected it. But her story gained press and she became part of a group of women seeking admission called the Edinburgh Seven. In 1869, the women were admitted to the university medical school, though they had to pay higher fees and arrange lectures for themselves because they could not sit in lectures with men. They faced a lot of opposition at the school. In November of 1870, a mob of students tried to keep them from taking their exams. The event became known as the Surgeon Hall's Riot. They passed their exams, but they weren't allowed to get medical degrees. Their story was picked up in the press. In 1876, Parliament passed a law that allowed women to take exams to get a medical degree. But it did not require schools to do so. The University of Edinburgh did not admit women undergraduates to its medical program until 1892. Sophia turned to the University of Bern in Switzerland, where she got a medical degree in 1877. The College of Physicians in Dublin became the first British university to license women doctors. That same year, Jex Blake qualified as licentiate of the College of Physicians, which made her the third woman to register as a doctor with the General Medical Council. Jex Blake opened a private practice in Edinburgh in 1878, becoming Scotland's first female doctor. She also opened the Edinburgh Hospital and Dispensary for Women and Children. But soon her mother died and her assistant died. This took a toll on her. She closed her practice and left her dispensary to colleagues. But after a couple of years, Jex Blake dove back into advocating for women in medicine. She and Elizabeth Garrett Anderson established the Edinburgh School of Medicine for Women. Many of the students ended up not liking the strict rules at the school, and that drove some of them to found a new medical school. The Edinburgh School eventually closed after struggling with low enrollment and financial issues. Jex Blake retired in 1899. She lived with Margaret Todd, one of her former students, and was likely in a romantic relationship with her. In these later years, Jex Blake supported the suffrage movement. She died in January of 1912. Todd wrote her biography, which was published in 1918. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. 
If you've seen any good history memes lately, you can send them to us on social media at T-D-I-H-C podcast. If email's your thing, send us a note at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you again tomorrow.